give thanks for this opportunity that you've given us to share your word. And I'm so thankful that I get to do this. And knowing that, Father, everything that, that's happening in us, to us, and for us, Father, you have a purpose in it. So we thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who uh, you put on their hearts to come out tonight and hear your word and, and have your way. So I thank you for just giving us another chance to try and get it right. And we know it's hard. We're all struggling in some way, some fashion. But we know that we got a good God who's there with us no matter what. So we thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done. And we thank you for what you're going to do. May you receive the glory of every word that's uttered here and every deed that's done from this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to go into Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Philippians, I'm sorry, Philippians verses 4 through 13. Philippians 4 through 13. And typically, I, I start at, we, most of us start at verse 1. But the reason I'm doing this because I want to get all of us in the mindset that Paul's talking directly to us. And he makes mention of some names in verses 1 through 3. But I just want to start it off with verse 4 that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he's talking to us directly. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in this case, in the Lord, uh, well, first of all, I just want to go back and explain the fact that the, the title that was given, and this is not from the, from the, uh, the Bible, and the title is The Virtues of a True Christian. Now, I could say The Virtues of a Christian, but I want to make sure that we understand the word true because Christian is a word that we toss around very I don't know, cavalry, literally, uh, today. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Yes, I'm a Christian because I know three scriptures by heart. I'm a Christian because my mom and dad were Christians. So here, let's think in terms of a true Christian, the virtues of a true Christian, someone who's really dedicated to the cause, someone who's really sold out for Jesus, someone who really takes their father's business seriously. This is not part-time. This is not uh, when, when it's convenient. This is 100% sold out to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to refer to a Christian, a true Christian, throughout this night. So when you hear that, that's what it means. It's not uh, when, when we're comfortable being a Christian. I can be a Christian in these four walls, but I'm with, with my family I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm one of these Bible thumpers. I don't want to be a Jesus freak. So I'm going to lighten it up just for the sake of family. And he said, no, no. If you're ashamed of the gospel before your aunts and uncles, then I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. So let's not be there. Let's, let's take this thing seriously. And we're in a world now where if we don't, we can see what's happening right now. We're allowing them to step on our toes, and we're afraid to step on theirs. And it doesn't mean that we've got to do it because they're doing it. But you've heard me say this, especially the last two times I've been here. We need to take a stand. Right now, we're allowing things to happen that we're going to regret within a week, a month, a year, perhaps. 
But we need to stand up for what we believe in. And we become so lax in our attitudes. And the, 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 the other side, if you allow me to use that, is taking over. They're dictating what we say, when we say it, how we say it, where we go, when we go. And I just ask us, what type of tragedy do we have to be faced with before we'll take a stand? Before we'll stand up for what we believe in, before we take a stand for the gospel? What's it going to take for us to stand up tonight, today, tomorrow, and face the things that are opposed to what we believe in? Well, we're going to take this, this Jesus right out of existence. We're going to, through the law, we're going to just rule him out. So it's going to be illegal for you to carry a Bible. It's going to be illegal for you to mention the name of Jesus. They'll let you talk God. You can talk God all day long and won't get a response because God is vast. God's a large umbrella, and all these things fall under that. But when you say Jesus, now you just narrowed it down. Now it's offensive. We'll believe in God because our God can be anything and anyone that we want. But your Jesus takes on a whole different meaning. And that's why there's so much power in the name of Jesus. So let's use that. Let's, let's, let's do what we got to do. And, and I'm not going to sit here and be legalistic about what's required of us. That's between you and the Lord that you serve. But we need to take a stand, my friends. We need it. Uh, this, this thing is just totally out of control. We're allowing the powers that be to dictate every phase of our lives. And we won't start to, to get really bothered by it until it affects us directly or someone that we love. Then it takes on a whole different meaning. So I pray we won't let it get there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. In the Lord defines a heart that exists only in a true believer. Uh, the, 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 uh, the social butterflies that we know, the, the uh, Christian chameleons that we know. It's, it's sometimes. Sometimes they rejoice, sometimes they don't. But in the true Christian heart, the true Christian heart uh, in the Lord means in a true believer. And this joy, our rejoicing, is unrelated to circumstances or conditions of life. Rejoicing is not a happiness can be about those things, circumstances and conditions. But rejoicing is in the Lord. And that's where we want to be. It is a result of an unchanging relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Relationship. You must, I must, have a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, just happened, not just happened, nothing just happens. I had a conversation with a gentleman tonight about that. what, what that really means because he thinks that you can become a Christian through genes, genetics, and whether he believed it or not, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But my mom was a Christian all her life, so I've inherited that. And that's not true. My dad's a Christian, so I, I, I get it through osmosis. Not true. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other way you can attain that. You must. Uh, verse 5 said, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
And this gentleness refers to contentment with generosity towards others. It can also refer to mercy and patience, graciousness with humility, and it encompasses all of these things. Graciousness with humility encompasses all of this. And that's hard for all of us, no exceptions. You know, when we start throwing around words like patience, long-suffering, and I don't think anyone has, well, not, I know no one has it in abundance. This is some, one of the things that we have to inherit through our relationship, that personal relationship. And knowing that this is, we, ha, we must, we must. And if you are a true Christian, then you don't have any trouble exerting these. These, these things are not natural. You're not just a natural person anymore. You're supernatural. So these things come through in your speech. These things come through in your deeds. So when anyone sees you, they know there's something different about this person. What is it? I just got to ask him, what is it that makes you different than, than all the other people that are around that I see? Because I have the love of Christ in me. And I don't think that really is, requires an explanation. Some people are going to question that, but... I don't think anybody's in any position to be judgmental. We've all got issues. We've all got faults. So I'm a child of God. Next question. And at hand speaks of uh, nearness in space and time, and that the Lord encompasses all true believers with his presence. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's always near. And you can look at that in space, and you can look at that in time. And he's outside of space. He's outside of time. But he's always with you. You. And that's how personal it is. I would never leave you. That's not to say I'll leave them, but he wants it to be personal. And that's what we should want as well. We want to have that personal relationship. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. And we do suffer anxiety. A lot of us do. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer changes things. It does. Whether you want to believe or not, we can show you. We can prove if we have to. But we would rather you find it for yourself. Prayer changes things. So many of us have been through some trials. So many of us are going through some trials. So many of us will be going through some trials. But he's always there. He's always got you covered no matter what. And uh, again, he doesn't want us to be anxious. And it's um, fret and worry indicate a lack of trust in God, in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, and in his power. That's what those things say. Oh, I'm, I'm really worried about this. Well, what can you do about it? Well, nothing really. Then just pray. Pray and let it go. And it's easy to sit here and say that, but when it affects you, when it affects your loved ones, someone you care about, then it takes a difference. But don't underestimate the power of prayer. Well, this is a small thing. I don't think God is really concerned about that. Well, what's, what could be smaller than the hairs on our head? And he said in his word, he cares about the hairs on your head. So that means he cares about that problem that we consider small. And I don't think we would dare say anything is too big for him. If you're saying that something is too big for your God, then you might want to start uh, looking for another God. 
because if this is too big, then you got a better chance of being a God than the God that you're serving right now. So let's be about the God that is well beyond us in wisdom, sovereignty, and power. And in this same verse, uh, delighting in the Lord uh, and meditating in his word are the best and only solution. We need to delight in, in the Lord and meditate on his word. There's power in his name and there's wisdom in his words. And that's what we need. We need power. We need wisdom. And those both can be attained by just digging in. And when we talk about reading his word, I'll talk about later, as opposed to studying his word. It's not the same. For those who believe it, uh, hopefully you'll be listening at that point and get a better understanding. Lord willing, you will. And, and all difficulties are within God's purpose, no matter what you're going through. Well, I'm really struggling right now, so this must be the enemy. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, God has, is working through every phase of your life. Don't give that enemy any more credit than he deserves. He doesn't. He, he's on a short lease. God, God allows him, as God shows us in the book of Job. God is in charge, and there's nothing or anyone that's more powerful than him. So even this enemy that we talk about that's controlling our lives, that's making it difficult for us, God has that. So he's working through that. And don't deceive yourself in thinking because things aren't going the way we would like. This must not be God because I prayed for this, and the Lord said he would deliver me. But did he say how? Are we going with a preconceived notion of what that means? Even the way that we define healing. Lord, I pray that you would heal my brother. Uh, what does heal mean in this context? Well, I just want him to be up and doing what he was doing last week. That may not be God's will. God already knows how this is going to have an impact on that person's life. And not, it's usually not about you. It's the, the way you impact others. So God will work to us according to his will. And we should, I won't say have to, don't want to sound legalistic, we should pray that everything that we, we utter, if it be your will. So important, folks. It may not sound like a big deal, but it really is. Well, he knows what I mean. Yeah, he does. He knows your heart. And he does want to hear from you. And I just pray that we don't lose focus of the fact that uh, his method of healing doesn't line up with what I perceive that it should. So he's really not answering my prayer and not true at all. He's answering your prayer, but he's answering it according to his will. So maybe we want that person to, to, to get up and be back to themselves in a week. And God knows where that's going to lead now. And he's saying, I won't do that. I'll just heal them in a way. It's going to be a slow process because I want them to learn through it. And sometimes, with most of us, it takes those hard knocks for us to really learn what he's doing. If, if he gave us the easy way all the time, then we would start taking things for granted. Well, I don't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to suffer because I'm a child of God. Uh, where'd you read that? You didn't. So you know, we know that we are going to struggle with some things. We're wrapped in flesh. I always have to remind us of that. 
So if you're wrapped in flesh, there's some, you're going to su- subject yourself to some things that not, are not necessary in your best interest or not necessary in the best interest of your family or your church body or the body of Christ. And he knows that. So he's watching us. He's guiding us. If we allow, the issue comes in. You guys heard it 117 times because he grants us free will. He does. He grants you free will. You know, why doesn't he just take away free will? Then we, we cease to be humankind. Now we're boarding on being robots. So it's not up to him to love him or have him love us. Now I want you to determine, Lord, whether I love you or not. That's not love. That's not love. You choose to love him. I choose to love him. And I found out that there's nothing better. So that's, I just want to share. I just want us to all grasp that. How much he loves us, and he proves it over and over and over again. Don't take anything for granted. Assume nothing. Assume nothing because he's working to your good. But we need to have eyes, ears, and hearts open to receive what he's doing and understand that he's, he's doing this in my, for my best interest. Regardless of how I feel about it, it's not an emotional thing. It's allowing God to work in his way. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We can only attain this peace when we have a thankful attitude with um, unwavering confidence that God is able and willing to do what is best for us. We need that attitude. We need that confidence. He said he never leave me nor forsake me. Do you really believe that? And if the answer, well, sometimes, then that's a definite no. That means you don't trust him. It's 100% or nothing. We need to have total trust in him in everything, every phase of our lives. Do you have the confidence? Do you have that thankful attitude? Do you have an unwavering confidence that God is able and willing to do what is best for you? Do you believe that from the center of your heart? Do you believe that? If you don't, then we can pray. We need to pray. We need to, to study the word so that we can gain a better understanding of the heart of God. We do. Um, this divine uh, origin of peace transcends all human intellect, analysis, and insight. Sometimes uh, we run into people who are so smart that they can give us, try and give us a different understanding of what the word of God is really saying. Someone accused me of being smart once, just once. Never happened after that. But it's, it's, and that was, it was about this. Well, how can a person like you, you know, you're, you're educated. How can you commit to this Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You should be smarter than that. On the contrary, maybe. You know, I learned a couple things, you know, but not enough to know that Jesus Christ is not the Lord of my life. Never, never got to that point where I doubted it. No matter what I, I understood or what I memorized, I know that he transcends all the intellect, all the analysis, and all the insight. In, in verse 7, the word guard means to keep watch over. 
And God's, God's peace will guard us from doubt, fear, anxiety, and distress. And so often we go through these things that we don't really have to. He's guarding you. He's guarding your heart from all these things, yet we subject ourselves to that. We subject ourselves to things that we have no control over. Anxiety, distress, stress. How many of us walk around during the day stressed out about things that we can do absolutely nothing about? So what is the point here? If you can't do anything about it, turn it over to him. He's got it. But you got to believe that, friends. you got to believe it. There's no option. Hearts and minds covers the whole inner person. And when he talks here, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's your entire inner person. And because of our union with Christ, he guards our whole inner being with his peace. We can't create peace. We can't. We can create happiness. Happiness is failing. Peace is eternal. We want his peace, not the things that we can do. And no matter what we do to obtain happiness, it's fleeting. It's just there for a moment, and then it's gone. Now what do you got? So you got happiness, and it's gone. You got peace, and it's there forever. But that peace can only be obtained through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where I want us to be. That is the desire of my heart, so that we can understand what that's all about. Verse 8, finally, brothers, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the thing I like about virtue as an award, a reward, because virtue is its own reward. Trust in him. He'll give you that virtue. He'll give you that peace. He'll give you that understanding that surpasses anything that our intelligence can muster up. He'll give us that. So that's what we want to be. Whatever is true, only found in God, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, and in God's word. Whatever is true, uh, we read where, what is truth? And that's a uh, question we can certainly ask today. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it, depending on who you're talking to, but what is truth? But he's already shown us how that works. Whatever is true is only found in God, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, and in God's word. You have all of that available to you. We have all of that available to us. We have God, we have Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have God's word. That's where it's found, so any of that. So you have access to that anytime you want, anytime. It doesn't matter, no matter what you're dealing with. Noble means worthy our respect. And believers are to meditate on whatever is, whatever is worthy of awe and adoration. Who, do we have, who are we in awe of? What are we in awe of? Who do we adore? What do we adore? And there's only one, one high and lofty one, one. No competition, no runner-up, no second place. One, Jesus Christ, one. Just uh, refers to what is right. 
And we ought to think in harmony with God's divine standard of holiness. God's standard of holiness. First of all, understanding what holiness is and how the world has created its own standard of what that means or doesn't mean. But it's God's standard that we need to compare ourselves to. Can we measure up? Hmm. Maybe you can. Maybe not. But that's not the point. He knows your heart. He knows your desire is to retain or maintain that holiness. And he will work with you to see it perfected. But we got to want to do this. We have to want to. And he's going to give you that choice. Choose this day who you will serve. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Fork in the road. Which way are you going to go? There's going to be a narrow road and there's going to be a broad road. The, the fleshly tendency is to take the broad road because it allows you more wiggle room. But it's that path that leads to destruction. That narrow road is going to be a little bit more a little narrower, a little bit more confined. But when we understand what's at the end of that road, that would be the encouragement that we need. This is the road that God has called me down. This is the path that he's chosen for me. So I'm going to take it and not rely on the flesh making that decision for you. If we rely on the flesh, you know, even, even I'm sitting here tonight pondering the things that we get subjected to on a daily basis. And we have to ask ourselves, am I hearing the Lord or is this my flesh speaking? Think about where this can take me. If I'm walking down the road and it says death this way, I'm thinking that's flesh. That's sin because all sin leads to flesh. All sin leads to death. And if that flesh is dying, it's going to give us signs along the way. There's not going to be a peace. There can't be a peace. If we're living sinfully, there can't be a peace. It's not possible. Because now we're trying to mix light and darkness. And there's not going to be any peace in that. Absolutely not. So that's a good way to look at the answer to your question. Should I go in this direction? And he'll give you an answer. And he'll give you an understanding of where you're headed. The question is... There's so much of a difference in hearing and listening. Vast difference. I hear you, but I'm really not listening. I'm listening, but I really don't hear you. And he'll let you go down that that broad road. That's the kind of God he is. He loves you because he's sovereign. And he'll work in another way because he's sovereign. That's how he is. Can't help it. I love you, so I'm going to allow you to have your way in this situation. I love you, so I'm not going to allow you to have your way. Well, that's confusing. Okay. It shouldn't be. Just think about how we work in a, in a worldly way with our children, the people that we love. Sometimes we just got to let them go. Let them go. It's, it's, a, it's very difficult for you Moms and dads and children, grandchildren. But he's going to hurt himself. She's going to hurt herself. Sometimes we just got to take hands off, trust the Lord. 
Okay, I've spent years training him up in the way they should, they should go. Now, got his hands off, allowed him to fly away. It's a challenge, but that's how the Lord feels about us. He's looking down on us. His little children is saying, but why would you want to go that way? Why would you want to go in that direction? But he will let us do it. No question about it, because he's sovereign. Pure, in this context, means morally clean and undefiled. Pure. Pure. We want to be pure. And just hearing some people say that, well, you know, I like the purification process. I like the refinement, but my problem is I don't like heat. I don't want to go through the fire, but I want to be refined. Hmm. Okay, we got a problem here. Because you don't go through the refinement process unless there is heat. It's all about the heat. So when they're throwing that silver in the pot of cold water, now all they're doing is throwing rocks in cold water. Nothing happens. But now when you start to heat that up, that's when the silver, the gold starts to rise. But we can only do that through the heat process. So we have to understand that we got to go through something. Not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Refine me, Lord, refine me. Well, you do understand there's going to be fire involved. Okay, I'm okay with that because I know the results are going to be worth it. Refine me. In this uh, same verse, the the term lovely uh, means pleasing. We are, are to focus on whatever is kind and gracious. Kindness, graciousness. Sometimes they're very tough to attain, but we can. And, well, this is just my nature. I can be kind sometimes, and sometimes I just can't. Well, that's a, that's a natural person, and that's a natural thing to say. But supernaturally, we can have that grace. We can have that kindness. Even towards people that, you know, it says love your neighbor, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if he meant every neighbor. Uh, yeah, he meant every neighbor. And so there are people that we have to learn that he, only through the Holy Spirit can we be kind, can we be gracious to them. And we make it very difficult, but it doesn't have to be. It's because that flesh wants to rule. I want my way. And there's a huge downside to that. And sometimes we we get that way and we just go overboard with it. And it says, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely. And it talks about uh, whatever things are of good report. And that good report means that that which is highly regarded or thought well of. How do you want to be viewed in God's eyes? Do you want to be thought well of? Do you want him to say to you, well, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or would you rather just live how you want and let the chips fall where they may, as the world says? Well done, my good and faithful servant. It would break a heart to say, him I know, her I know, but who are you? But Lord, don't you remember uh, I, I did all these wonderful things? Yeah, but... Why did you go do all these wonderful things? Well, you know, I want to impress my pastor. No, that's not what he called us to. 
It's not to impress any man. It's not to impress any person. It's to honor him, to glorify him. If it doesn't point to Jesus, we're looking in the wrong direction. We're talking in the wrong direction. We're saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things. And I certainly don't want anyone here to feel defeated. But we need to understand his heart. And the only way that we can understand his heart is to read and study his word. Reading and studying. I can read it, but, uh, you know, the Bible's tough. I, uh, it really doesn't make any sense to me. Third, fourth grade, when you first started reading, did the book make any sense to you? Probably not. I know some of you are leaning towards wizards, wizard, being wizards but, uh, and, and geniuses, but I like to think at some point you found it difficult. So did you just stop reading? No, you didn't. You kept doing it. You kept going at it. You kept working, learning a little bit at a time, baby steps, Baby steps, baby steps, and then eventually, oh, now I know why Jack and Jill went up the hill. Now, now I get it. Because you put that time in, and you start to understand that. And God's word, that's what studying does. I read it, I don't get it. I read it, I kind of get it. I read it, now I'm starting to get it. I read it, now it makes sense. Got to put the time in. Got to put the effort towards it. And he, through the Holy Spirit, will guide you through that. And it will make sense. But you got to be open. You got to be open to it. And that's the difference between reading and studying. I read it. I read it. And I read it. Now I'm going to study it. And that's what the Lord, Holy Spirit, guide me through this. Show me what this means. Show me what this says. Seek his heart in everything. Verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Paul's talking to the, the ones that were with him and the ones that he has a chance to see. He was just saying, you, you guys have really helped me a lot. You, you've seen me through some tough times. You know what I'm going through. And I know that you want to do more, but you like opportunity. In a lot of cases, that's not our situation. We don't like opportunities. Um, we need to make a commitment to who we are, to whose we are, and then that's when those opportunities that Paul that Paul was that the, the people like to support Paul that they didn't have to support Paul. Now we have opportunities to help other people. We have opportunities to pray with and for others, and so many times we don't take advantage of it. This is what we need to be mindful of. There, again, there's people among us, even in this room tonight, that are hurting. Because we have favorites, because we have people that we like a lot more than others, those are the people that we pray for. But you should pray for us, us, as often as you can. When I say us, I'm talking about the body, the body of Christ. 
And when God calls you, when he puts anyone on your heart, regardless of your relationship to them, with them, if he puts them on your heart, go to prayer. Go to prayer. Well, I really can't pray now. I pray tomorrow. If he wanted you to pray for them tomorrow, he would have reminded you of them tomorrow. He wants you to pray for them now. And the reason I say this is because we get to see so many that are hurting. And they, they lack or they feel they lack someone to come beside them and pray with them, pray for them. And we found that to be true in some cases. Some of us have grown lazy. Some of us have grown slothful, even in our prayer life, even in our prayer time. Because we're so busy, we really don't have time for that. I'll pray for you tonight before I go to bed. Did he guarantee you that you will see them tomorrow or later today? Pray for them. Pray without ceasing. There's a reason why those words were written. Pray without ceasing. Well, I, I usually pray when there's something to pray about. Well, I have to challenge you on that one, friends. When is there a time when there is nothing to pray about? Think about your life. Think about what you go, you go through on a daily basis, and you tell me at any point in your life where there's nothing to pray about. And I challenge each and every one of you to, if I, I can go very simplistic, some of you have heard it before, how about those five senses, how are we doing there? I can see. Praise the Lord. I can smell. Praise the Lord. I can touch. Praise the Lord. As simple as that. You know someone who's sick. Pray for them. You know someone who's going through some things. Pray for them. You never run out. And you know one of the great things about prayer? It can't be overdone. But that's too much. That's too much prayer. No. No such thing as that. Pray without ceasing. Does that indicate that there's, that can be overdone? Keep praying. Keep praying. And I know what I pray for. I don't know what you pray for. But I know that there, you, you never run out of things to pray for. Never. I don't care who you are. I don't care how your life is structured. There's always something. You know, I think of the ones among us who have prodigal children. Is there ever a time when you shouldn't? Is there ever a time when you can't? Pray for them. And they don't have to be your prodigal family members. Just pray for prodigals in general. Because they need it. We need it. We need to have them come back where there's a chance that they would give their life to Christ. But when they're out there having fun, they're not really thinking about that. Let's pray for him. Now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that whatever state I am, to be content. That's challenging. That is very challenging. So you're saying no matter what is going on in my life, I, I got to be content? No, it doesn't say you have to. It says, now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I'm not saying at any point you have to. You've got a choice. And we can only attain this peace when we have a thankful attitude with unwavering confidence. 
that he will do what he says he would do. He will be what he, what he, who he says he is. He will love you the way he says he does. Can you trust in that? I know, verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So what Paul is saying here is that I've learned that the same God that is with me on the mountain is the same God with me in the valley. Doesn't change. Circumstances may be different than you know what he would like, but he's saying to be content. And I know that's another challenge for us. It really is. So I'm supposed to be happy? No, you're supposed to be joyful. You're not going to be happy because of your circumstances. Paul, he, he, he had lots and he had little or none, yet he was content. And I know you're not Paul. I understand that I'm not Paul. But this is something that he learned. He learned that he, he can be content no matter what the situation is. He didn't allow circumstances or, or the environment to dictate his commitment to the word of God. He wouldn't allow it. And I pray that's where we want to be. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things? Paul had the strength to endure difficulty and prosperity in the material world. So his encouragement to us and to the people that were with him, you can obtain, uh, you can endure difficulty and prosperity in this material world. This is a very material world, and it's growing more towards that. And at some point, we're going to just want to throw our hands up and say, I surrender. That's not where we want to be. We surrender to our Lord and Savior, and that's it. We're not going to cave into the world and its desires for our lives. Because whether you want to believe it or not, the idea is to chew you up, spit you out, and say, next. That's the world. And that's how it's going to happen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ infuses us with his strength to sustain us until we receive the necessary provision. He'll, he'll supply all your needs, but it may not be at 1230 how we would like. He may not come on time, but he always comes. Time meaning from my vantage point. He, he always comes through, always. And, but why does he wait to the 11th hour, 12th hour? Because he knows, he's seen the beginning, and he also sees the end. So he knows when will be the opportune time to come. He knows when to present you with a solution to that problem. He knows exactly when, how, and what. Do you believe it? Do you trust him? The virtues of a true Christian. A true Christian understands the value of reading and studying the word. Uh, I'm going to give you some reference scripture. I'm going to go through them. You don't have to go there, but I just want to read them to you. 2 Timothy verse 3, chapter 3, excuse me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God who is profitable 
<laughs> for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. He doesn't just take you halfway and drop you off. He equips you. And if he calls you, he equips you. And he equips you, he'll call you. We got to believe that. Well, that's not my strength, Richard. That's not what I do well. Well, if you know the Lord's heart you, and you read his words, you will find out that very rarely did he use anybody's strength to have his will in their lives. He's more inclined to use our weakness because that way we know it's about him. If I went into the ministry based on my intellect or my perceived intellect, then I'm doomed for failure. When he says, who will go for me? I'll go, Lord, but I don't really have much to offer. Okay, you the man. You know, bring it in. So that's what we go in on our strength and knowing that we go in on our weakness, excuse me, knowing that his strength will take it from there. Romans uh, 15, chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the uh, preference and comfort of the scripture might have hope. These things are written for us. This was written for you and you and you and me. It was written. He wants us to know. He wants us to learn. He wants us to understand. That's, that should be our heart. Um, just a couple more scriptures, then we're going to do communion. A true Christian listens more than speaks. Whoa, whoa. I don't know. I don't know about that one, bro. Is that factual? Well, well, let's see what James 1.19 says. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And then he says, Proverbs 29.11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. What's a fool? A fool is one who says, no, God, I'm not interested. I'll do it on my own. No, God, or there is no God. That's a fool. But a wise man, if he lives by what the world says, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Some of us have those tendencies. Actually, be honest with you, all of us have those tendencies. I thought you were a fool, but I wasn't sure. Now you just proved that you are. So what the word says, my friends, a fool vents all his feeling, but a wise man holds them back. And there's so much more, but in the interest of our time, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do communion. <clears throat>